What's up, guys? Welcome back to another edition of the DNVR College Pod presented by Breckenridge Brewery. I'm Justin Michael. I cover the CSU Rams. I'm joined by Henry Chisholm. He covers the Colorado Buffaloes. Hank, what's going on, my dude? Uh, it's really early. I think that's how I would sum up this. I- I've actually had a couple of morning podcasts this week, and I'm hoping that this is the one where I find my rhythm a bit, but just the amount of coffee you need to be ready to like start a podcast is absurd. I'm like a morning person in the sense that I wake up really early, but I'm not all that productive in the morning. I don't know. I I guess that's bad. Like you should like the rise and grind people are going to come after me now, but it's just how I am. Yeah, like I, I do feel like if I wake up early and I get something done, like if at 9 a.m. I already have like something under my belt or it's like, it feels oh, wow, good. I, I already wrote something or I already recorded a podcast or even even if I just like go to the gym, take a shower. That's something that often gets neglected during quarantine where it's like, okay, wake up. It's like 830. I'm just going to lay in bed. The golf tournament's on. Let's just, I mean, it's sports. It's my job. And then all of a sudden it's 11 and you're like, okay, time to actually get some work done. And then boom, it's six o'clock and you're like, I need to take a shower. I haven't gone to the gym. I haven't eaten anything but protein bars and candy. Like mornings are crucial. Just throw on that crop revival. You're good. Nobody needs to shower anymore. Very true. Very true. It's not like we're normally leaving the apartments anyways. Like... If I go to the store and I like am kind of grimy, eh, whatever. You shouldn't be close enough to smell me at the store, anyways. Exactly. Like I, my bar for taking a shower, like what what you have to be totally clean for, just keeps slipping. It, it's every week it gets lower and lower and lower. And and again, like sometimes, like you hit seven o'clock and you're like, oh, I kind of just want to go get some food. And so I just walk over to Chipotle, and I don't care that I'm wearing like short shorts with a shirt that doesn't match and a hat on because I look like an idiot. And, you know, I don't know. I I think everybody's just kind of on that same page now where that's just how the world works. Honestly, like normal rules just don't apply. Sleep whenever you want. Be awake whenever you want. If you want to have a beer at 1130, go ahead and do it. Speaking of beers, though, we got to shout out Breckenridge Brewery in the 15 can sampler which is just, it's the clutchest way to buy beer because I get kind of tired of honestly, like anything more than like a six pack of one kind. It's just me. So like, I just, I kind of get tired of it with the 15 can sampler. I can have a little bit of everything. Henry, what was the last Breck brew you had? Strawberry sky. And that classic was pretty much always the answer. Um, it turns out the 15 can sampler is the only way to get the strawberry sky up in the part in Montana that my parents live in. And so they just get like a bunch of cases of the 15 can sampler and they're pretty picky beer drinkers, or at least my mom is. And so it sounds like they've kind of loaded up on a couple of like, they don't like the heavier stuff. They don't like the hot peak IPA, which is just absurd to me. Uh, The vanilla Porter jr. Like they're like "Eh," on. And so they just buy that and they just pretty much drink the strawberry sky and stuff. And so I'm kind of excited just to have a refrigerator full of Breckenridge beers again. And oh, yeah, I haven't mentioned I'm going to Montana tomorrow. And that's why I'm going to drink all those beers. You should. uh, Sounds like you need to bring your your mom a case of Strawberry Sky or two and and surprise her. 
Yeah. So we're actually flying into Missoula. Oh, and so, man. so they live like two hours North of there. And in Missoula, they do have the strawberry sky. And oh, I know so you that can get because, it there. yeah, because I checked the Breckenridge beer locator and found like four different spots in Missoula where you can get it. So I'm just going to buy like six of those and bring them up North. And, uh, I'm pretty excited. This is why the Breckenridge brew locator is so clutch. It'll take just like all of that, you know, the, the anxiety of walking into the liquor store. I mean, like, I hope they have my favorite beer, you know, a hundred percent. They're going to have that strawberry sky. Cause you looked online. So clutch shout out to Breck. You can pick that up at any liquor store near you. Use the Breck beer locator. If you're in the metro area, you can get Breck delivered straight to your house via Davidson's. They have two locations, one in Highlands Ranch, one in Centennial. Shout out to Breck. Shout out to Davidson's. Shout out to Henry's parents in Montana. (laughs) I don't They might be listening. Who knows? Maybe. Hopefully. If our parents aren't even listening to our podcasts. Actually, I don't think my parents have ever listened to a single one of my podcasts. So Really? Yeah, my parents parent, aren't a podcast kind of like they read the articles, but I just uh, they're not like podcast people. See, my my parents are like the opposite. Like they'll do the podcast, but not. Re- I mean, I mean, like they read, but they aren't like reading everything. But they are like paying attention to the podcast. I know because sometimes they tell me like, "Huh, Dre made a good point" or something like that. You know, <laughs> <grab> a, <laughs> haven't heard that about you, Justin. It's like thanks for uh, thanks for complimenting my co-host. Yeah, yeah, exactly. My mom really likes Dre. Who doesn't really like Dre? I, I see. So I'm recording the draft pod with Dre in like three hours. And that means it's been a week since we last recorded a podcast. But I watched that DNVR bets show every day. And <laughs> because I'm a terrible better and I keep losing money. My goodness. So I've, I've watched all but one of the games in this NWSL return because it has been just incredible. Like... It, we don't need to go down that road, but it has been so much fun and there's just so much parody and like, they're so good and it's so physical and nobody's flopping and it's just so much fun to watch. And, uh, the fact that there's so much parody means that you watch a game and you're like, this team is dope. And then the next game they screw it up. So like last night, uh, Houston dash, they'd scored five goals so far in this tournament. The other team hadn't scored. They lost two zip and I had way too much money on that. And so that's why I've just had to back off and be like, okay, I'm just doing what Dre and RK say yesterday. Dre went 10 and Oh, that's the key, man. Just go small. If you bet, if you win a bunch of small bets, you still feel really good about yourself. You still get the winnings, but you don't have the sting. Like if you do lose, I'm doing pretty good, honestly. I'm I'm really? up a couple of hundred bucks since draft since sports betting was legalized. But like I said, I never go, I never go too risky. Mm. See, well, now I know where my money's going. I'm not trying to uh, I'm not trying to brag or anything, but I have picked the winner of three consecutive golf tournaments. So I'm just like, when are you going to bring me on <laughs> bets podcast, guys? Come on, wow. what, do I, what do I got to do? Wow. Maybe I got to brag about myself more. I don't know. Yeah, I think you do. I think you do. <laughs> what you have to do is go to the graphics people and say, hey, can you make a graphic showing that I went 10 and 0 today? <laughs> and, then, and then once that gets out there, like Dre's did yesterday, then you're good. I will say though, and I'm, I'm going to put you on the spot since we're recording. Mm-hmm. Hurts my feelings a little bit that you guys never invite me on the draft pod. Just saying. We should do that. We should do that. Next week. Next week, you're coming on. I'm excited. I can't remember, I can't remember what we're talking about. Basically, we've just been like running through all of the positions. And so we're kind of going down to like off, 
offensive guard or something next week. But yeah, Ooh, we'll, we'll fun. Yeah. <laughs> no, I just, I want to come hang out with you guys. It seems like fun. I like listening to it. I always learn a lot. I don't know. I feel like Andre and this is, I mean, ever since I've known Andre for, you know, five, six years, the way he is able to like analyze prospects just like so quickly blows my mind. Exactly. And that's when like the thing, like I have learned what you look for and what traits, like I know what good route running looks like now. And like, you know, you, you kind of know before you like sit down and like watch game after game after game of a bunch of different players, but it still takes me like three games of tape to be like, yeah, I, I think that he's good at that. Meanwhile, Dre, he, he watches two plays and he's like, no, nah, he doesn't have it. Yeah, it's okay. like, he, he doesn't, doesn't have it. it. He went for 200 yards. What are you talking about? <laughs> uh. Hey, somebody's got to be critical. Cause like, we we get excited about players. It's just gonna happen. Like when mm-hmm. Andre comes in, he brings the logic into it. He's like, "Chill out, guys." He was torching that D two defense. You guys gotta <laughs> gotta look at the numbers. He does that in the Buffs pod too. Like we haven't had him on forever, but next time we do, we'll be like, "Yeah." So we're pretty excited. Everybody's like, three wins for the Buffs. That's absurd. They they've got bowl game easy, and then Dre's gonna come on and be like, "Well, that's a weakness. That's a weakness. That's a weakness." Hey. This guy can play. Don't know why you're not talking about him. Weakness, weakness. And we need that. We do need that. No, totally. Because like when I talk about Warren Jackson, I'm just like, here's the thing about Warren Jackson. He is, he can walk on water. He's incredible and he can do no wrong. And then Dre's like, listen, man, he's, he's amazing. Needs to improve on this, this, and this. And I'm like, yeah, I guess. But let's, let's just talk about how dope he is instead. Exactly. That's what Dre's here for. And to just be right. And to win you money. So shout out to Dre. Check out that bets pod. It's a lot of fun with him and RK. We have we've been all over the place to start this podcast. We have. Sometimes okay that though. happens. Yeah. All right. Uh, so uh let's let's jump into it. It's it's been a not so fun week of news, couple of weeks of news. Uh cases of the coronavirus spiking pretty much all over the country at this point. I think it's like 41 of 50 states. And uh, we're, we're seeing some negative consequences already. I guess most consequences are negative, but Stanford has cut 11 sports programs. Henry, what are your, what are your thoughts? I guess I should say which programs they are. There are a bunch of Olympic sports, but the 11 sports that are being discontinued are men's and women's fencing, field hockey, lightweight rowing, men's rowing, co-ed and women's sailing, Squash, synchronized swimming, men's volleyball, and wrestling. Yeah. And uh, there's there's like so many different ways you can go with this conversation. Um, you know, you could talk about how Stanford has as much money as essentially any school in the country and how if they have to cut 11 sports, that's a terrible sign for all the other schools, which are all poorer than Stanford. Um, what I really want to go to though, because I think this is going to be the part that kind of gets overlooked, um, is that this may not feel like it impacts you right now where it's like, okay, Stanford doesn't have a rowing team. Why do I care in any way? Like, Like, I don't watch any sort of rowing. I don't really care about rowing. But here's what I want to remind you. So, the U.S., their Olympic teams, they would be playing right now in the Olympics. They're, like, starting up in, like, a week or two. 
And a lot of those Olympic sports rely on a Stanford. And I mean, essentially it's Stanford and the Ivy leagues that really supply the rowing and the fencing and like all of that kind of stuff. And for Stanford to lose their ability to support those sports and, you know, the Ivy leagues making the decisions that the Ivy leagues making, who knows if they could be next, that's really going to put a dent in the U S like Olympic chances for medals in these sports. And I don't think like, again, it doesn't feel like it matters right now, but four years from now or eight years from now, when the U S is not (laughs) winning as many gold medals as they typically do, I am going to be very upset. And it's very hard for me to be upset about it right now because that is so far down the road, but there is this part of like American dominance in these international competitions that does rely on the amount of money that is just pushed into these sports that nobody cares about at these schools. I think that's a great point. There's always going to be some cynicism when it's a sport, you know, like rowing or fencing, which, you know, let's be honest, the, the average demographic is not participating in these type of events. It's more or less, you know, a lot of, rich kids and, and, you know, legacy people and, you mm-hmm. know, maybe people that didn't necessarily need a scholarship anyways, but that's not always the case. And that's what bums me out, you know, regardless of the fact that a lot of these sports are traditionally done by, you know, rich kids with trust funds. The reality is there's always going to be some that aren't and they're losing their chance to compete. They're potentially maybe losing their chance to, you know, attend a world-class institution like Stanford, you know, if you're somebody who's on a rowing scholarship, maybe you don't get into Stanford unless you have that rowing opportunity. And now, you know, uh, you just don't have that opportunity to go to a, you know, world-class place. I don't know how all that works in, in regards of like, do, do they still have to honor the scholarships for like the next year or anything like that? I don't, I, I'm not entirely sure. No, I don't not know at all. Oh no, I meant, no, I'm not sure either. But I don't know. It's just sad. I, any any time that that people lose the chance to compete, whether it's high school, whether it's you know college, it, it's a bummer to me. I mean, I get disappointed when I see things like high schools are, are cutting you know their their drama clubs or you know mm-hmm. wrestling or cross country or whatever. I just think any extracurricular, any chance that allows people to shine in a in a scenario outside of the classroom is is good. Yep. Yep. Exactly. And. You know, it it is really hard to feel bad for Stanford. Like that, they have all that money. They have like this ridiculous number of programs. They win national championships in something every year because they have all of those different programs. And the truth is though, like when you look at CU, for example, people push so hard to have a baseball team there. And, and it'd be so much fun if, if, if CU could have a baseball team. And, you know, Rick George said, that's not going to be me who adds that. Um, maybe the next athletic director, maybe in his timeline, there's a chance to make it happen. But for CU, for example, if, if they were to have to cut whatever sport it is that they would have to cut, then all of a sudden you're likely looking at a situation where you have to add that sport back before you can add a baseball program. And so it's not just that you're losing these things. It's that the things that you want to add 
are now even further away. And for Stanford, I don't know what that is. It may not even be a sport. It, it, it they had so many. Like, I'm not even sure there was a sport Stanford didn't exactly. have before this. Exactly. And so who knows? Maybe it was they could have added whatever facilities or whatever. And again, I, I know a lot of people who listen to this are Buffs fans. And so maybe you're even thinking like, oh, worst facilities for Stanford. That's good because it's good for Colorado. But no, like it, you want the best for everybody. That's how you keep rising and rising and rising, especially within the Pac-12. You know, you need your rivals to be good. Otherwise, there's no point in having the rivalry. Uh, unintentional dig. Um, <laughs> I think that's all I have to say right there. Uh, oh, man. I, I will add that Stanford will honor all of its scholarship commitments and they are going to assist athletes who wish to continue their careers elsewhere. They're also going to pay out the contracts of all the coaches. So they are going to do right by the, the people involved, but still, still disappointing. Yep. And props to them for that. But also remember that Stanford has a lot of money and that's not to mean like we should discredit them doing something good. The reason I bring it up is because some schools aren't even going to have the ability to do that when the time comes um, for them to cut their programs. And that should be remembered when you try to say, well, they didn't do right by their student athletes like Stanford did. Like Stanford has the resources. And that's again, the theme of this podcast for weeks now We just don't know what's going to happen. And that's what's so scary. And that's what's so awful is that, I mean, these effects could be just brutal for for schools everywhere. I mean, you could see a situation where entire athletics departments go under. And I don't mean to just like bring up terrible things just to scare people, but that is the world that we're living in. Like it isn't just surprised if there isn't one. Exactly. Exactly. All of this. There's there's just so much, especially like when you look at what's happening in college football now and, uh, you know, the Ivy League decision, which we haven't even gotten into yet. Maybe now is the time. Yeah, let's um, talk about that. It transitions pretty well. Rich kids and, and unknown. <laughs> yeah, I know. And like, I, I, I always go against like generalizing that kind of thing and being like, you know, it's, it's this Ivy league, but not everyone that goes to the Ivy league is like a wealthy trust fund. I know. And, and like, I only know a few people who've gone to those schools and it's been like, Oh yeah, no, I, I I see it. But then like, we're running through, like I I was running through the Olympic rowing roster before we jumped onto this. And like, there's a stretch in there where it's like Harvard, Harvard, Princeton, Harvard, Princeton, Cornell, Harvard. And here's like, my goodness, this is like, like it really is kind of just like a meme of itself. I know Cornell is a really great institution and all that, but I just can't take Cornell seriously because of the office and Andy Bernard. That's all I think about. It was like, oh, Nard Dog would be proud. I, I know exactly. Every single time that's where my mind goes with Cornell. I don't even, I don't even think it has a second place. I think the second place is like, what does Cornell mean? Is that related to like, I've heard of like this Cornwall place. There's no way that's related, but for some reason in my head, I go there. Where is Cornell? I have no idea. Guess. If you had to guess, where would Cornell be? I would guess Massachusetts. It's. I feel like East Coast for sure. It's definitely East Coast. I feel like Massachusetts just has so many schools. And that's kind of in that... Or it could be like Connecticut. Ithaca, New York. Ithaca, New York. Oh! uh, That comes up in the office. That comes up in the office. Does it? Yeah. Yeah. I'm trying to remember where, but he that definitely comes up. I think it's in the episode with Dwight. 
probably when Dwight's like trolling him about all yeah. the final stuff. <laughs> yep. But as soon as you said that, that does make you think. I think that there's like Cornwall on something, I think is also New York. That doesn't matter, but that's always tied in my head. But yeah, the, the point though, the Ivy League, uh, the Ivy League said that they will not be having any fall sports. Basically, everything is shut down. Um, and, and we kind of talked, I think we talked about that on this podcast. If not, I talked about it on the bus podcast. Yeah, we talked about it. Okay. Um, but essentially, like that means there's no football, no other fall sports. They left the door open to play those sports in the spring. And we'll, they'll, they'll like reconsider when the time comes for them to start planning for that. But what I hadn't even thought about is the basketball programs. So those basketball programs won't even start up until January 1st at the earliest. Yeah, you're losing non-conference play with basketball. They're just basically already accepting that. And and that's going to have, you know, wide-reaching implications, obviously, mm-hmm. with all those schools that had Ivy League schools on their slate. You yep. have already seen some ADs tweet out things like, if you had, you know, Harvard or Princeton or whatever on your schedule, like, DM me. So I'm, I do wow, think, like, assuming there is college basketball, they'll be able to you know, work around it, the other programs. Mm-hmm. But what's significant to me is, you know, the Ivy League, they were the first, you know, when when all of this was kind of going down in March, it was the Ivy League that shut down their conference tournament first. They were the ones that were like, look, we're looking at all of this. We can't play. And then everybody kind of followed suit. Is this going to be a similar situation? It, it kind of feels like it. Yeah, and... I really like this line and I wish I could remember who wrote it. It was one of like the big national writers, but they said that like the, the Ivy league is the closest thing that the NCAA has to a moral center where it's just like the, these or this is the league that will actually like pay attention to the well being of players as much as any league will in college sports. And and that's kind of why it is a big deal because then you have like, the Ivy leagues in whatever group with they have like, I I think they call it like the AAU, which I don't think is tied to the other AAU. But the point is that like Stanford is going to have to their athletics department explain to their president, to all of those important people there, why they think it's okay to have sports when the Ivy league doesn't. And they'll probably come out of it fine. And they'll probably be able to explain that. And who knows what's going to happen, but those are the things that are now coming up. And like you said, you know, you can schedule other games for when you had scheduled these Ivy League teams or if there's the tournaments that they have, um, you can bring in other teams for that. And you know what? It'll take a little bit of work, but you'll be able to do it. If another league does this, then that's a little bit more work. And then if a third league does it, then all of a sudden, that's when you start to see things scrambling. And so this isn't so much that oh no, this means everybody's going to do it, or oh no, you can't play because the Ivy League isn't there. It's because now you're within a couple of things happening of really bad things happening. I think the toughest part in all of this is it's just going to be really hard to get a consensus agreement because, I mean, one, just look at how differently like people said, going up to Montana, you know view the uh, threat tomorrow. of coronavirus and, around the country uh, you know some places ago, it's complete lockdown some places you know you have people I was like yeah you know screaming about how they don't want to wear masks and, and like door I got like because it's out of my hallway right? almost to the stairs right. and realized I didn't have my mask with me and I was like oh no do I go back and grab my mask do I just keep going and walk down the stairs and I was like you know what you never run into anybody it'll be just fine let's just walk down throw the laundry in walk back up it'll be just fine 
walking in the stairwell. There's somebody walking up the stairs while I'm trying to walk down wearing a mask. And I'm like, oh no. And so then I like squeeze over to the side, like lean up against the rail, try to breathe on them. And then just be like, hey, sorry, I forgot my mask. And there's like, oh, and, and I tell that story to my parents and they're like, what? <laughs> what is going on there? People are wearing masks. It's because because it's the exact opposite up there. Like there is this social pressure to not wear a mask. Like my mom said that she went to the grocery store and some guy walked up to her and called her a sheep because she was wearing a mask. It's just like so different in, and I get that like the Northwest corner of Montana is as close to the opposite end of the spectrum as you can get to like downtown Denver, but still like, it's just wild these dude, that we haven't come to the, any sort of agreement as to what we're supposed to be doing. Oh, political uh, political opinions aside, if you come up and talk trash to my mom in a store, it's, it's going down. I know. It's going know. down. I'll kick you in the shins or something. I'm not much of a badass, but it'll hurt. It'll still hurt. <laughs> yeah, like I'll say, hey, guess what? Two people died because there was an outbreak at my King Supers, my grocery store that I always go to. And there's still a memorial up outside for the two employees who died. Like, I don't, just know. I don't know. It's, it's, it's a lot of things. It's, you know, perception. It's, mm-hmm. I mean, even when you look at a situation like the South, like everybody thinks the entire South is nothing but, you know, like rednecks and like hillbillies. Obviously, that's not what the South is like. If you've ever been there, there are people like that. Same mm-hmm. thing, like people that live in yep. the country, they think everybody in cities or, you know, whatever, yuppies. Yeah. What, what, what does a yuppie even mean? I, I think people used to know. I think, I think it's think, supposed to be an insult, I think. Yeah. Well, because it's like a little fish, right? Yeah. Is that like, I, I would know. guess that a fish that small is stupid. Is that where I, I don't even know. I don't even know. But I mean, <laughs> the, the truth is like the people up there, I just checked, like they have had this big outbreak in the last like, month or so i mean big outbreak meaning they're now over like 1000 confirmed cases after being around like 200 for forever and like they just haven't seen it like they haven't seen people get sick they haven't seen their hospitals overflow they haven't seen people die and so that doesn't i'm not trying to justify their approach because i mean you got to wear a mask you just got to wear a mask but there's that a point to all of this happening. though like there is the the difference in opinion, even like if you look at the people around the country, it's the same thing going on with athletic directors. And there's a really good mm-hmm. article out. Uh, I should look up the author. It's Sports Illustrated. And it's talking about how we're heading the wrong way if we want college football to start on time. This was by Ross Dellinger and Pat Ford. I came out on July 9th, 2020. Really, really recommend you go read this. It's a lot of good information just talking about one, like why they were feeling better about things in May. Cases were kind of plateauing around the country. You saw colleges announcing that they had some type of plan to reopen. Now we're seeing cases spike all over, 41 out of 50 states. We're seeing programs get shut down. Ohio State just recently shut down their workouts. They're not the first. They won't be the last. Man... It really, uh, it, it really feels like a long shot, like we're going to have a 12-game season that starts on September 5th. Yeah, but the thing is, like, in that story, like, and I agree, you should go read it because he's talking to, or they're talking to athletic directors and 
like getting all this insights and all kinds of yeah exactly so much good information but here's here's like one paragraph that i was kind of surprised by but also it's just nice to have like real numbers uh it says some believe the situation isn't as dire as others the contrast can be sharp the most hopeful athletic directors believe the chance to start on time seven weeks from this weekend is still at 80 to 90 percent those more pessimistic give it a one in three shot a slew of news wednesday didn't help north carolina and ohio state and goes through that in the ivy league but to hear that the pessimistic athletic directors still say there's a one in three chance. That honestly makes me more optimistic than I was before reading this this morning. Really? I, well, I guess, I mean, one in three is like, it could happen. Definitely could happen. One in three. I mean, 33%. I mean, close to half if we're really stretching things. But well, and again, that, those are the like, most. Are you a glass half full or half empty type guy? Because also it's like well, exactly sixty six percent not so <laughs> exactly. But uh, but like yeah, I mean, I would have guessed that like the more pessimistic athletic directors would have said, "There's a zero in three chance." Like, look at what is happening. You know, I, I wouldn't expect the pessimistic ones to be saying that, and the optimists to be saying like, "Oh, it could be ninety percent." There was one athletic director, and this was an anonymous anonymous quote, but the quote was basically like. I hope we're not selling our soul to try and play here. Yeah. And that, and is that really stuck out to me because, mm-hmm. you know, it mentioned how there was a, you know, in one, in one County, it doesn't mention specifically where it is. There was a testing site that had to close early because they ran out of testing for COVID because there were so many people in the community that needed it. And two blocks down the road, they were testing asymptomatic student athletes so that they could play, you know, football. And yeah. that's, that's where you come to this great, like moral dilemma. Are we, even if we can make this work, should we? And that, that is interesting. And that is a thing that we talked about a couple of months ago when we were talking about like, can college football come back? And we're talking like, you know, you have to get enough tests to be able to test everybody. And then during the season, enough tests to test everybody once per week. and at the time, we were talking a lot about the financial cost, you know, about 100 bucks a test. That's really expensive for a lot of these athletics departments. And, you know, that cost is falling. But now with the coronavirus cases spiking, they are becoming more scarce, like this said. And I just, that is such a difficult question because on the flip side, you can also say college sports brings joy to a lot of people. It makes a lot of people happy. And that is not easy to measure and it's not easy to measure like those tests on the other side to be honest like i side on the if people think they have this and people have been dying from this one in every 2500 americans has died from the coronavirus we should probably give them the tests but i it, it really is just so complicated on so many levels and i'm glad that i just get to rip apart the decisions of others instead of saying what we should do. <laughs> no, totally. I mean, it's a wicked, it's a wicked problem in every sense of the definition. There's going to be no perfect solution, no matter what you do this. Even if, even if you don't play because you're, you know, objectively trying to do the morally correct thing, there's still going to be a ton of negative consequences, especially financially. We know we've spent 15 minutes, however long it was talking about Stanford and how Stanford had to cut all these programs. Well, Stanford's one of the richest programs, you know, in all college sports. If there's no college football, 
it's it's going to have like huge consequences, not just for college football players, we're, um, you know, volleyball players, women's basketball players, men's basketball players. It's going to cripple athletic departments. It's just a brutal situation right now and in, in an unprecedented time. And I think it's, it's probably kind of annoying to just hear people like go over and over again, like the world is ending, the world is ending, this is wrong, this is wrong, <laughs> everything you like sucks because I do think sports matter. I think that was a great point that you made Sports, you know, they collectively unite people. They bring everybody together. They give you this sense of joy, triumph, all of that. And I do think that we need that right now. You know, I don't know about everybody else, but, you know, March, April, when there was, when there's nothing going on, I was just so depressed just sitting in my, and I get that, like, in the grand scheme of things, being upset that there's no sports ball, like, tough map, Justin, but it is such a huge aspect of my identity and I just, I know what it does for so many people that I won't ever diminish the value of that. For millions and millions and millions of people, such an important part of life. And like, like uh, legitimately, I spend four hours a day, probably. If you want to say like three hours a day watching some sport and an hour a day going on Reddit and reading about whatever or reading stories, whatever. And then on top of that, obviously, you know, my job is another four or five hours of sports on top of that. But when they pull like that four hours out of your day, it seriously does. Like it it is depression. Like, like it's weird, but it just, I mean, well, I mean, it was culture shock too, or yeah, I don't know if I use that term correctly, but just like, I mean, being so used to, like you said, you know, going from work to leisure, sports were basically everything I did. It took up all my exactly. free time. It took up my work time. I go to bed thinking about sports. I wake up thinking about sports. So I just, I don't want this to come off as us being like, it's so dumb that they're even trying to make this work, like with everything going on, because we freaking love sports. And like all I've talked about for the last couple months is how desperate I am for college football to come back. I just think that, you know, as, as a college football fan, as you know, even as a responsible member of our society, we just, we got to ponder these things, especially when it comes to the to access to testing. And, you know, is this where we should be putting our resources? Yep. And I like how you said that. We have to think about them, ponder them. A ponder is a much better word. Um, because I, I think that everybody is pretty much done. Well, in the college sports world, I think that everybody's pretty much done things the way they should have. You know, there's, there's the testing problems, but the reason that the NCAA made the move to allow voluntary athletic activities was because they had checked off all the boxes. And one of the boxes was, mass testing being available and it became available and now maybe it's not available. And so we at least have to talk about what that looks like and whether it's still okay. But up to this point, you know, I don't know. And I don't have like as much information as a lot of people like who, like, I don't know what the discussions were around the Ivy league deciding not to have sports and in the fall. And I'm actually going to leave that decision out of this blanket statement. But I would say like bringing things back the way that they've been brought back was the right way to do it. And I think now we are at this point where there are more very, very difficult decisions that are about to be made. And I couldn't tell you what the right decision is. Oh, man, what a what a terrible job that must be right now. 
I know. An athletic director. Oh, brutal. You got to decide which sports to keep. You got to decide how you're going to operate all this. You got to decide like, you know, how much do we value competition? You don't want to piss off the donors. You don't want to piss off the fans. You don't want to risk anybody's life. You don't want to risk your own job. What a terrible position. What a terrible position. Like you said, don't want to piss off your student athletes. Don't want to piss off your staff. Don't want to piss off your coaches. Don't want to piss off the boosters. Don't want to piss off the students or the the administrators or the professors, or like if you're in Boulder, the community of Boulder, the state, like so many different groups. And then on top of that, your job isn't, well, as an athletic director, it kind of is political. Some of your job is to not piss people off, but in this scenario, your job is just to make the right decision and not to not piss these groups off. And trying to do all of that is not, not fun. Not there are a lot of fun parts of being an athletic director. And there have been points in my life where I've been like, huh, there aren't many gigs better than that. But this right here is really pushing me back into being very happy with what I do. I think there are positions within an athletic department that would be a blast. I don't think being an AD is one of them. I mean, there's great moments you get to travel. Like mm-hmm. it's it's not a bad life, but the stress that comes with that position. It's it's a lot like being, you know, I don't want to use too much hyperbole, but it compare it to like being president of the United States. It's obviously a much smaller scale, but you have all these people that they choose you, you're you're being supported to make all of these decisions and either we're going to cheer you and praise you and talk about how great you are or we're going to, you know, come to your door with a with a mob and torches because you you hired the wrong football coach buddy it really is a political position i mean keeping all those groups happy like you may not it's not like a you know political has turned into being like republican versus democrat or whatever but like it really is political in the way that you have to build those relationships and maintain them and keep all the right people happy because otherwise you lose your job and you don't lose your job because you get voted out. You lose your job because everybody hates you. And so the, then the president has to fire you and, or, you know, you could just piss the president off and that could be enough to get fired. But yeah, it, it, it is that same balance of keeping people happy and also trying to do what's right. Basically, or, our advice is host a podcast and said, you'll get some mean tweets, but you're, you're not going to have a mob come after you. Well, uh, most of the time. Yeah, maybe we need to just pitch Rick George's own podcast and be like, hey, if, if you're done, just open-ended, whatever you want to talk about, whoever you want to bring on, DNVR Rick George podcast. I did get Joe Parker on the Rams podcast once. That was cool. Mm. Yeah, see, I was hoping to do something like that over the summer just when typically you have a little more free time. I'm not going to... This is not the time to ask, I don't think. <laughs> Yeah, I thought about that too. I was like, I should reach out and see. That'd be a great conversation. Then I was like, he has so many things to worry about. Yeah. The last thing he wants to do is my podcast right now. Especially because doing uh, jumping on a podcast like ours at this point just requires so much preparation. Like Exactly. Like, like it's, it's just a bunch of questions that you're not going to... It's the same deal. Like We've been joking about how for two months we've been saying, well, hopefully this happens, but we don't know. Really, athletic directors can't give you any more than that. Obviously, they can give you some insight into the type of conversations that they're having. But getting back to the the point that it's a political position, it's not like they're going to give anything away or put themselves in a position that, you know, they don't want to give a controversial statement or something that can come back and get thrown in their face four weeks from now. Exactly. Exactly. You hit the nail on the head there. 
I think we pretty much covered the the main news. We're going to talk about some college football coaches that are on the hot seat or potentially on the hot seat. This was based on uh, rankings done by CBS Sports. Before we do that, though, Hank, I'm freaking pumped for Fight Island and oh, the UFC. So am I. We've all heard the rumors, but Fight Island is finally here. This weekend's UFC 251 is set to be the best yet, with big names stepping into the octagon all throughout the night. This is an event you don't want to miss, and there is no better place to get in on the action than with DraftKings Sportsbook, America's top-rated sportsbook app. This week only, DraftKings is offering all new users a special odds boost on this weekend's headline fight. Bet $20 to win $100 on either fighter. What? That's sweet. This week is full of action from golf to European soccer all the way to Abu Dhabi for Fight Island and DraftKings Sportsbook has you covered for it all. DraftKings Sportsbook is US-based, making it safe, secure, and reliable. It's super easy to deposit and withdraw your funds at your convenience. I love that. I hate all of those sketchy sites. Makes me feel weird about depositing. Am I going to get hacked? Am I going to actually get my money? And Are they going to charge me an outrageous fee? DraftKings gets rid of all of that. And like we said, they're offering their best sign-up offer to date. Right now, you're not going to want to miss this. Download the top-rated DraftKings Sportsbook app. Use the code DNVR when you sign up. For a limited time, all new users can get a no-brainer odds boost on the headline fight this Saturday. Bet $20 and win $100. Yep, that's right. No matter who you pick, Usman or Masvidal, your odds will be boosted to to bet 20, win 100. Head over to DraftKings Sportsbook now. Use the sign-up code DNVR. Must be 21 or older, Colorado only. Bonus comprised of a first deposit bonus and a first bet match, each up to $500. Deposit bonus requires 25 times play through. Restrictions do apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Have a gambling problem? Call 1-800-522-4700. Good job. Whew. Whew. Okay, coaches. Let's talk about some coaches. CBS Sports. Uh, <laughs> uh, they released like, uh, basically a list. This is Dennis Dodd, I believe. Yeah. Dennis Dodd. Um, and they broke down all of the coaches in college football into six categories. Um, let's just start with the best category. The one that coaches want to be in, uh, that's untouchable and then safe and secure and then all good dot, dot, dot for now. The next is pressure is mounting. The next is start improving now. The last is win or be fired. So uh, the, the list that they published, um, they included those two worst uh, categories. So there are six coaches in the win or be fired category. And there are five coaches in the start improving now category. And um, I'll start with the, the Colorado guys. If you pull up the list of all 120 coaches, it has Carl Durrell listed as a two, which is fine for now. And Steve Adazio listed as a three for pressure mounting. Now, I guess my initial reaction would be they're both first-year coaches. They're both coming into kind of difficult situations. I would have put them both in the two. So I guess I'm a little surprised that Steve Adazio isn't listed in the pressure mounting other than the sense that you know CSU is coming off of two losing seasons. It's not like, you know, he went to a bunch of bowl games at Boston College, but it's not like he was dominating the ACC. Maybe they're just thinking in a sense of he's got to like wow people to prove that it's a good hire. What are your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I, I would agree. Uh, I, I would almost, let's, let's start here. So I'm all right with having Carl Durrell safer than Steve Adazio. And the reason for that 
is that he was hired so late. And I think that whatever happens for Carl Durrell this season, if it's bad, it's going to get wiped away. I think that there there are enough reasons, and some of those apply to Steve Adagio, you know, coronavirus, the lack of spring practice, uh, all that kind of stuff. Those apply to both of them. But then there's also the fact that he was hired in late February and didn't really have a chance to build his own staff. And to be honest, I expect a lot of turnover in the staff next year. Um, And maybe some of it has to do with how Carl plays it. You know, if he goes into the season and says like, hey, you know, I'm not in love with this staff. I'm not in love with this team that uh, Mel left me. Then it's going to be pretty easy for him to just be like, I didn't have a shot. And I don't think he'd complain. And I honestly don't even think he needs to say those things. I think that people kind of recognize that. And so I don't really mind having him safer than Steve Adazio. But then when you look at the categories, then I'm kind of like, eh, they should at least be in the same category because there, there are 40 coaches in that all good for now. So and essentially what there, there are 67 coaches who are safer than the category that Carl Durrell is. So he's essentially ranked somewhere between 68th and 107th. And then you have Steve Adazio somewhere in that 108 to 119 with only 130 total college coaches. And it's like, he is not at that much risk. And so you know, we're, I, we're nitpicking here, obviously, because with 120 yeah. coaches, like there's no way they could do any ranking system that's going to satisfy absolutely everyone. Mm-hmm. I guess my biggest beef is there just, there doesn't seem to be a lot of consistency here with some of these coaches. Like Todd Graham is listed as a two. I would put him with as much pressure and at Hawaii as, you know, Adazio has. It's not like Graham ever did a whole lot. You know, I don't know. I just, some of these are, are kind of weird to me. Mel Tucker only listed as a one at Michigan State. I don't know. I think I would I would at least put him as a two, just given the way that he came in. I think there's going to be expectations like this guy's got to win. Except, except for the contract, I think. I think when you look at the contract and how much money they've committed to him. That's um, totally fair. He, it's not like they're going to fire him. Exactly. So, so I don't think that... Yeah, I, I'm 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 all right with that one. Honestly, I think Steve Adazio is right in there with the group that I'm most upset about because they're saying there are 11 coaches safer than him and 11 coaches as safe as him or, or less safe. There are 11 coaches less safe than him. There are 11 coaches as safe as him. He is not one of the most 23 or 23 most fireable coaches in college football, I don't think. Zero chance. The only way Steve Adazio gets fired after this season is if it's like a scandal-related or something where the university has no choice. They're not going to shell out the money. You know, it's the same deal. Like, you talk about Michigan State and what they committed to Mel Tucker. Well, CSU just had to buy out Mike Bobo. Now, granted, they were able to get that buyout reduced, which is huge. But it's, you know, it's not a situation where they're going to be like... Uh, yeah, let's just, let's try somebody else. We'll just pay him off. Yep. I agree. Uh, let's jump into the guys who are, are the most fireable according to CBS sports. Cause I think that it's, uh, at least for the most part, kind of spot on, um, starting with the top of the list, Clay Helton from USC. Yep. Oh yeah. Oh I mean, yeah. I mean, he has, he has a Heisman contender, uh, as a 
true sophomore at quarterback. Uh, he has all of the talent in the world at wide receiver. He has very great pieces <laughs> everywhere else. And if you can't win with that roster, you're just not a good football coach or you can't put together a good staff or whatever. Something is wrong. You've got to go. This has been going on for a while now. Uh, yeah. Do you think that there's any debate that Clay Helton is in the toughest, most fireable situation? I think Clay Helton came into a tough position in a sense that I don't think he had a ton of public support from day one. So I think a lot of people were kind of rooting for Clay Helton to fail in some regard. But the reality is, is when you have all the resources that USC has, when you have the type of players that they're able to bring in, at some point, the pressure to win just becomes too much. And it's been so long since USC was actually like nationally relevant. I'm not talking like appearances for a couple of weeks in the top 25 sneak into the Rose Bowl. I know they had you know some moments with Sam Darnold, but it's really been like 15 years, maybe not quite 15 years, but you know, 12, 13 years since USC was like the USC that I grew up with, the USC yeah. that was a national brand that you expected to contend for national championships. And I just don't think they're going to give him a whole lot more than this year. You know, maybe if he's able to like squeak out eight, nine wins, even if they don't like win the Pac-12 or something that buys him another year. But five seems, it seems pretty safe or it seems like it, like an accurate ranking of, of where he should be. Yep. And uh, I mean, I will add to that, that it's even tougher for him to keep his job or he is even more fireable because that roster is so good because if they fire him after this season, then all of a sudden you have one more year with a great quarterback, a great roster, and you're going to be able to bring in your pick of a whole bunch of coaches because they think that they can win right away. And I think that they'd be right. Thank you. I, I think that's a really good way to put it. It's, it's going to be a big year for the schools that used to be blue bloods, you know, USC and Nebraska, with mm -hmm. Scott Frost, because, you know, let's be honest, Scott Frost going nine and 15 over the last two years, that is not what, you know, Huskers fans were hoping for when they stole him away from UCF. You know, I was, I was always somewhat skeptical of, of Scott Frost being able to come into Nebraska and, you know, make it like a powerhouse. I never thought they were going to be, you know, winning national championships or be the Nebraska of the 90s or anything like that. But the fact that he has been, you know, really this bad is a little surprising to me. I thought it, it would be more like, you know, run of the mill type program right in the middle and not the, not the bottom dwellers. Yep. Yep. I agree. I agree. Uh, he just doesn't have it. I don't think like, like you look at what's happened there and like, just, I remember the lead up to that, uh, Nebraska CU game and they're just talking all that trash. And then he's kind of just like, whiny afterward and all that kind of stuff. And sure, I mean, I'm not going to lie. These CU fans have had a serious influence on me and that may be skewing my vision when it comes to what happened there, but he was like just whiny. And after talking- It didn't come off great. Stuff, Even like as somebody on the outside looking in, it was kind of like, hey, real, uh, real Harbaugh vibes in the sense of Harbaugh kind of uh, used to do that with Urban Meyer, like talk to big trash and then- you know, when they lose, well, this happened and this happened and this happened. It's like, all right, man, well, you talked and you lost. So exactly. And I do think that he belongs very firmly on this list. Um, also, Chip Kelly, 
UCLA. Yep, right in there. <laughs> I think Chip Kelly, his, he's not on the hot seat. He's on the inferno seat. Like, what a disaster that entire... I mean, they have... N- nothing has gone like they hoped when they brought him in. You know, Chip Kelly was supposed to be the savior of UCLA football, the guy that's going to make them nationally relevant and all this. And they've just been a train wreck. They're, they lose recruits. They've lost coaches. I don't know. Just... I, I don't see any way he's going to be able to salvage it at this point. Yeah. Um, you know, you also got to bring up uh, the players saying that they want outside people making sure that all of the coronavirus uh, protocols are being followed, which is not a good look. Um, but also, and they make this point in the CBS Sports story. Um, they ran UCLA's athletics department ran an $18 million deficit and they don't really have the money to necessarily buy a coach out, especially if they want to hire a better coach. That's interesting. So it's going to take booster money, which it could happen. Mm -hmm. But whenever, whenever you do put yourself in that position as a university, it just would always sketch me out because you're not shelling over millions of dollars to not then have some say in that hiring process. Very true. Very, very true. Is there anybody... I'm just kind of going through here again. Yeah, man, there's just some of the... I'll be honest. I don't think they put a lot of thought into the Mountain West because they have Steve Adazio <laughs> as a three, Brady Hoax a one at San Diego State, which I get. He, he doesn't have any pressure first year coming back, but he should at least be a two. I feel like they should all be a two. I don't, this is a, this is kind of a fun little thing to go through though. You, everybody should go check it out. I've, I've kind of ripped on the numbers a little bit and I do think some of them are, I think it's clear that they spent a lot more time looking at, you know, the top 30 teams in America than the other 90, but I get it. That's just how the national game works. Exactly. It is how the national game works. Henry, I think uh, that's pretty much it. We're going to be back obviously next week. How you doing in the Madden League? Uh, I had a bye in the wild card round. Uh, number two team in the AFC. I'll be playing at some point this weekend, sometime in the next few days. Well, I think tonight is the last wild card game. So maybe tomorrow, maybe this weekend, I'll be playing the, uh, I, th- I believe, the Chiefs to go to the AFC title game. And I'm pretty pumped about that. Heck yeah, buddy. Doing pretty good. I'm How Right now, doing? I'm the... Uh, knock on wood the only undefeated team in the afc through six weeks but i'm sure i just jinxed myself because i play tonight so hopefully i can hold on to it i'm balling out with drew lock and jerry judy on the buffalo bills this is a weird universe in our madden franchise but off to a much better start i only won four games all of last season so the fact that i'm i'm off to this hot start makes me feel a little bit better i like it i like it i like it I like it indeed. Shout out to everybody in those Madden leagues. Uh, We have one on PS4. We have one on Xbox. There's a waiting list, I think, to get on the Xbox one. Not sure about the PS4 at this point. Got to talk to the commissioner, but a lot of fun. Highly recommend you check that out. Also, check out WGT World Golf Tour. Super, super dope. We've got two clubhouses. We're running tournaments all the time. Check out that download it, play it. It's just a blast. I'm really bad at WGT. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. And I keep thinking I'm going to get better. 
me too. And I don't, but like RK and like Harrison and Mares and all these dudes, they're killing it. And it, it makes me feel a little self-conscious. I know me too. And then, and then they get to have all the fun, like talking crap being like, Oh, going to finish top 10. And everybody's like, no, you're not. No, you're not. And then I want to jump in and be like, Oh yeah, they've already all gone. He's sitting at 10 hour left. I'm going to knock that son of a something out. <laughs> And then, and then I get on there and I'm like 30 shots behind everybody. I'm like, well, there, there goes that again. See, we can do all this because we know Mares isn't listening to our podcast. So exactly. we're going we're, we're gonna to be petty. And even though he's better than us, it's our podcast. And those are the rules. Them's the rules. Ah, them's is the rules. All right. We are out. We will be back. Make sure that you check out everything we've got going. Keep up with the Rams pod. Keep up with the Buffs pod. Keep up with all the other podcasts. It's Podcast Central over at DNVR. Uh, Really dope stuff going on. Like we said, DNVR Bets, DNVR Business with Brandon Spano. Super tight. So tight. Anything else you want to say to the people? Uh... Oh, I wrecked a scooter. Uh, bruises everywhere, bruises on the ribs, bruises on the hip, bruises on the ass, but ass, no, I think ass is okay. Bruises on ass, big skin on my knee. Uh, getting better though. Been whining a lot. Seems to be helping. (laughs) All right, then.